Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode is sponsored by Blue Handle Publishing. This locally owned publisher has several great titles available for your summer reading, including the Neil Baggio Suspense Series by Charles D'Amico and Andrew J. Brant's just-released mixtape for the end of the world. Both of these authors are from here in Amarillo. To download these titles or to order hard copies, head to bluehandlepublishing.com. And as part of this podcast's partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I also want to give a podcast shout-out to the WT Enterprise Center, which celebrates its 20th anniversary this summer, and to Reserve, a distinguished home goods store in Wolfen Village. Today's guest is Hayden Baca. Hayden is an information technology specialist who spent several years providing customer service for tech corporations like Apple. She was the person on the other end of the phone line when you had problems with your iPhone or computer problems, all that stuff. So obviously she's dealt with a lot, as you can expect. And we talk about that in this episode. But after returning to Amarillo, Hayden began to see that the generation that was most in need of her expertise, senior adults, needed a more personal touch to deal with those issues. So she created Unsavvy Strategy, a technology company that offers tech assistance for senior adults. I love this idea, and so I invited Hayden to be on the show. So here's Hayden Baca. Aiden Baca, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's it's my honor to have you. I, I know that we have a lot of different things we can talk about, but I'd like to start with you the same way that I start with all of my guests and just ask why you're here. How did you end up in the Amarillo area? Um, I'm actually born and raised okay. in Amarillo. So I've lived here my entire life, I've tried to move away, and it didn't last very long, and then I'd come back every single time. So this is just where I'm meant to be. Is this where your family has been from yes. for a while? Oh, yes. For generations, actually. Okay. So not even like your parents or anything like that. Yeah. So, well, my mother is from here, and her mother is from here, so we've been here for a while. Do you have any idea how your family ended up in, in the panhandle? Um, I don't, actually. Uh that's a very good question that I've never asked. Okay, so go back and ask your family, then come back and we'll finish the podcast. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so a lot of kids that grow up here in Amarillo, um, you know, have dreams of getting out, going someplace, you know, big city, someplace that has more trees, more mountains, whatever. Was that part of your experience? Yes. Yes, it was. It was always that, you know, I would finish school and then leave. Um, I just found that once I did, Something was always pulling me back. Family is a big part of it. I okay. I love family. So, do you have a big family? I don't actually. Um, I have a very small family, but that's I guess why they're more important to me. Okay, where did you go to high school here? Amarillo High. Okay, and then what were your plans for you know college? Did did you go someplace else? Did you stick around here? So, the plan was originally for me to to just stay here and go to Emerald College. I have a bit of I was a bit of a wild child, so I ended up being sent to Montana <laughs> to finish. So I did um, uh, Billings University there. Okay, and then ended up coming back home and just did online. So the story is about children being sent away to like boarding school. That that's an actual thing that happens. That, that is an actual <laughs> thing that happens. Well, if I mean, if you're open to talking about that, like what what's that like going from Amarillo, Texas? 
to Billings, Montana. Um, in, there, there's some similarities. Both are Western states, but like, what was that? What was that experience? It wasn't even Billings. I went to a very, very small town called Thompson Falls, Montana, with literally nothing in it. So it was it was a shocker. Um, but it was an experience that I will carry with me for the rest of my life. And I made some really good connections and good friends. Was it like late high school that you went there? Mm -hmm. I graduated from there. Okay. But I was at Emerald High for three years. So And then you stuck around there for college? Yes. Why is that? Like why why not come back home where your family is to go to school? Was there a, a thinking process? I was doing well there. Um, and coming back was actually a scary thing with where my life had been before. Okay. So I just figured I would stay, but I don't know. Sometimes you, you escape, you know, bad influences and you come back here and those bad influences are just, just waiting for you to come back. Right. right. So tell me then when you went to college, did you have a career plan? Um, yes, actually. When I went to college, I knew that I needed to do something in IT. That's always been what I'm good at. I just flourish in that area and nothing else, pretty much. So it was a, it was a simple choice. What was the IT world like at that point when you? I mean, because obviously that technology is something that changes from year to year. Um, what what were the things that you were good at? What were the things that attracted you? Um, <laughs> I was good at online stuff. So like networking and security. Okay. That was kind of my, my niche that I, I felt like I excelled at. Um, so that's what I went for. I went for an, a bachelor's in, um, network and security. Did you have like an idea of where you wanted to apply that? And were you looking for the corporate world? Were you looking at starting your own business? Anything? Uh, I was not at all looking at starting my own business. I figured I would just fall somewhere in a corporate America type of job and just do that for the rest of my life. Okay, so tell me what happened after you graduated. Um, I actually didn't graduate. I, I stopped going. Okay. <laughs> but Which, I mean, that's that's not uncommon for people that have tech skill. I mean, that's a skill that's in such demand. It's often learned in the real world as opposed to a classroom. Right. Uh, so there are stories all over the place of people, whether they're in IT, whether they are CEOs of technology companies, not finishing a degree. Right. You get so far and then you're like, well, I've got enough knowledge here that, yeah. <laughs> that I'll be just fine. But um, yeah, I mean, I had no idea what I was going to do with it or what I was going to do with my life for a long time, even, you know, with the education. So tell me a little bit about your journey starting during your college years and, and how you kind of figured out how to make a living. Um, so when I was in college and then even after college, I worked for major corporate companies. Um, and it was very easy to notice a trend among all of them and how they, how their customer service or, um, technical support handled their calls with seniors. Hmm. In my experience, it's set up to where you don't want those calls. I won't say that you hate them, but the, those type of calls, they hurt your stats that you have to do. And so because you, they're they're hard. Like right. they they take longer, I guess, than a lot of other ones or they do. And so a normal standard among any any corporate company is you can't be on the phone longer than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. They can't call back, which every senior that I've helped, you know, it takes more than one time. So they're gonna call back. So there's just certain things that hurt your stats, but it's stuff that they need. <laughs> so I didn't really 
fit in where I needed to because I'll stay on the phone 30 minutes yeah. with them. <laughs> Before we talk about seniors, like like tell me what you're actually doing. Were, were those positions like tech support positions yes. that you ended up doing for some of these corporations? Yes, I would do level two um, tech support where I just, I would take um, the angry calls. So okay. somebody would... Uh, a representative would help a customer, and if something went wrong, they'd end up with me. Okay. Um, which I love. I, I love people that um, have issues and are angry. <laughs> can you talk about any of those um, companies that you worked for? I mean, can you mention yeah. them by name? or? Um, I worked for Apple. Okay. Uh, I worked for AT&T. Um, I also worked for um, a company online that did, um, uh, they were an ISP in the Northeast. Okay. So those were the the three that I really worked for. Now, did those happen remotely, or did that require like being part of a, a large call bank or something? I mean, how did how did that look? Um, Apple and um, the internet service provider in the Northeast; those were remote. Okay. Um, I actually worked for AT and T. Okay. From home and then in an office. How many years did you do that? Um, all of those. I mean, it all of them. It totaled over ten years. Okay. But. Where were you living at the time? Um, I lived here okay. for um, for most of them. I had a little little closet that I would work from in my house that it was set up as my office. But um, there was one that I did in. I lived in Oregon for a little bit, so I did it there. But so we we haven't touched on the fact that you came back to Amarillo. Um, tell me tell me a little bit about why you decided to come back. I mean, if you'd been in Oregon, if you'd been in Montana, those are very different places. That's, right. that's where a lot of people in Amarillo go for vacations. Right. Um, so, so tell me how you ended up coming back here. So I, <laughs> funny story. So I'm a single mom. Okay. Um, at the time, my daughter was a year old and I was living in a small shed Okay. of a relative's um, just trying to survive. I worked a lot, took care of my daughter. That was about it. Um, it just got to the point where I just needed more support, and it was time to come home. Okay. So I did. Did you resist that at all, coming home? I mean, was that the kind of thing that you felt like, oh, I don't I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, want to wave the white flag and surrender and go back home? Yeah, I did come back with, you know, my tail between my legs, um, so to speak. But it was a good thing that I did. I had a lot of support here, and it was definitely necessary. How long ago was that? That was 20... 18. Okay. I think. So just not that long ago, then right. three, three years. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what it was like coming back to Amarillo? I mean, after having grown up here and then being gone for so long, um, coming back, you know, as a mom with a kid, a lot of people talk about this being a great place to raise a family. Mm-hmm. Um, like, could you tell, like, was, was there anything about Amarillo that you arrived back here as an adult, not a kid who needed to escape? And, and you thought, Oh man, I I was wrong about this place, or I I didn't realize this thing. It was comforting when the when the plane landed and I got off with my daughter. It was a relief. Hmm. Um, I can remember, you know, at, going up I forty from Grand, just going up on the on the highway. It just it was a relief. I was thankful, and I felt like I was finally back home where I was comfortable. So let's talk again about the. The job that you were doing as tech support, um, because I know I'll have a lot of listeners who will think that is a job that I would not want. Number one, we probably don't feel equipped like you are educationally to handle it. 
but just the fact that you're always in a position of having to solve these problems for people who are, like you said, frustrated, angry, you know, calling Apple or calling AT&T is like the thing you do when you can't do anything else. Um, so tell me what that was like, just, you know, as, as a person emotionally dealing with people. Well, I, I like to help people. That's my favorite thing in the world to do. So I knew that most of the time when I would get somebody on the line, they were already frustrated because half the issue is just trying to get somebody on the phone um, at that point. So I tried to be very understanding. My biggest thing is when I listen, I'm actually listening to hear what you say. I'm not listening just to respond. Okay. So I think that really kind of gave me a leg up compared to other people. But I mean, it's a lot of patience <laughs> is is involved with it. But I mean, the end result is hopefully I've fixed their problem or it can at least direct them to somebody that can. You talked about the stats that, um, you know, were a part of that job. For, for those of us who have never worked in a, a place like that, like what kind of stats are, are your employers looking for? I, I know there's a lot of turnover that you're trying to get. You're trying to reach as many, help as many customers as possible. And that just, that creates a, a go, go, go sort of, sort of job. Right. So when you call any, any type of um, customer service or tech support, most companies, um, when they get on the phone, there are certain things they have to say at first that, that they have to meet or they don't get good scores. They also cannot be on the phone very long, like I'd mentioned. And then they also have to notate while you're still on the phone, because when they get off the phone with you, they can't just wait. They have to immediately take another call. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of metrics that come into play that they have to meet. So it's like, get on the phone, get off the phone, get on the phone, get off the phone. It, it doesn't really become about the customer. It's just what you're supposed to do. So is it a stressful job? Yeah. Or does that depend on your personality? It does depend on your personality. You either have a personality um, for it or you don't. Okay. You had one for it? Uh, yes, okay. I believe so. I mean, you you did that for how many years? Um, I mean, I did that type of work for for 10 years, okay. over 10 years. So, so I, I know that you mentioned earlier dealing with senior adults on the phone and, and doing the tech support with them. Before we talk about what you're doing now, like tell me a little bit more about that um, about that process and and maybe why you were the right person you know to handle those kinds of calls. A lot of it played into my stats. I was always at the top of my team, so to speak, and so you know I didn't really have any issues. So I would find that when I would be on the phone for an extended period of time that we weren't really supposed to, it didn't affect my stats that bad. Okay. So I could I could squeeze that in every now and then. Did you have a certain amount of patience or maybe a an ability to explain things with enough simplicity to you know to get someone who is not particularly savvy with technology to to kind of walk alongside you and figure that out? Uh I noticed compared to other people that I don't mind repeating the same thing. Mm-hmm several times if it's necessary. Uh, I don't mind um, being patient and just waiting for them to figure it out. I care more than other people do in that area, I've noticed. So I'm just willing to do whatever it takes 
to help them. Because it's a it's a skill set that I I feel like is really unique. I mean, all of us know people who are very very technologically oriented, you know, super smart with all that stuff, but but they may not be like great people people, you know. Right. Uh, they, they may not always have the social skills or the outgoing personality that um, that can help with that. But doing what you do, it requires like both sets of those things and almost a left and right brain kind of combination. Right. And for the most part, what I assist with is just what you would consider basic IT or, or knowledge. It's just that I'm willing to take the time and put in the effort to help them. And if they want to learn, I help them learn. If they just want me to fix it, of course, I just fix it. Okay. So tell me about um, your business now, because i that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because I I learned about your idea where you are helping senior adults with their technology trouble. So tell me at, at first about the process of kind of getting out of that tech support world and, and into launching your own business. Well, the tech support world is what started it. Mm-hmm. I just saw that there was such a problem. I had some phone calls that I can still remember that were painful to me because I couldn't help um, an older customer and I started noticing how frequently that that would happen to the point that I couldn't sit with it anymore. Um, and so I just decided, I think I can change this. I think I can make a difference, at least in my hometown, is where I'll start. Okay. So that's what I've tried to do. So tell me tell me what you... Um, well, let's let's start this, this way. When did you start your company? So I started my company about two years ago. Okay. Did you start it thinking this is going to be like a little side project, or did you just jump right into a, a full-time kind of thing? I knew that there was enough people that needed help that it was going to be full-time. Okay. So let's explain what your idea is and, and what you do, and then we'll kind of dig into what that looks like. So tell me, what's the name of your company? Unsavvy Strategy. Okay. And basically what that is, Unsavvy Strategy, is just a way to help anybody that's unsavvy with technology. Um, anybody that would say, you know, oh, I'm too stupid to do this, or mm-hmm. I don't know. Those are the people that I desperately want to help. Are the majority of them a certain age group? I've I've noticed that the majority of them are seniors, but I do have some clients that are baby boomers and you know, it it doesn't there's not a really a range, but majority of them they're they're over fifty and above. Okay. So tell me tell me what that looks like on a, a day-to-day basis. What kinds of things are you doing for them? So on a day-to-day basis, the main thing I help with is usually iPhones. Okay. Um, I, I assist with how to use their apps. Um, I also help with calling um, AT&T or suddenly, On their behalf? Or? On their behalf with them there, yes. I give, they That's give a very them. gracious service, I imagine, <laughs> that, uh, that a lot of people would pay somebody to do for them. It's just, it's kind of exhausting and frustrating, especially for seniors, to even ask them to do something like that is is a bit much, um, in my personal opinion. So I just try to help with anything that is stressful like that. Do you find yourself, um, you know, in addition to, to helping train people on iPhones, I mean, is there a lot of setup, you know, like how, how do I get this Wi-Fi to work? How do I connect my, um, you know, my Apple TV to my actual TV? Is, is it a lot of like setup sorts of things? It is. It is. Um, setting up a device is one of the things that I do a lot. Um, that can be very complicated. The other thing is just not just connecting to Wi-Fi, explaining what Wi-Fi is mm-hmm. or explaining what an app is mm-hmm. are 
questions that I get a lot. Um, so there's a lot of things out there that we just assume everybody knows and they don't. So I just tried to break that down and, and explain everything. Well, I, I'm smiling because, you know, my generation, everybody in my generation has parents, you know, who are in their 70s. And um, that's what a kid does these days. A, an adult child provides tech support for their parents. Right. I, my own kids will be doing that for me in 10 to 15 years, I'm sure, because they just adapt to technology faster than I do. Right. Right. It's not foreign to, to us, but it is to them. And, and that's what's so fascinating to me is that I, as a, a kid who have, has done this for my parents and my in-laws, like I can s- totally see how it would be a whole lot easier to just hire somebody, right. you know, who is so skilled at this that y- you have an immediate rapport with, with people who are trying to learn these things. Right. Well, life kind of happens to where you're not able to go and help them as frequently as they need. Um, and then there's also uh, my clients that their family just doesn't live anywhere near them. Mm-hmm. And so in order for them to have communication with their family, they need my help. So that's why I do a lot of it. It's just to help them FaceTime their family and hmm. things like that. What does it look like in terms of a business model? Like, I, I don't need you to tell me like prices or anything, but do people hire you for a specific task? Is it like an hourly sort of thing? What's What does that look like? So the way that it kind of goes is uh, somebody will call me and they'll need help with one thing, mm-hmm. but it's never just one thing. Right. So when I go there, of course, I help them with that. And then there's usually like a laundry list of just different things that they really need that I'm, I set up a time and I, I build a relationship. I see them a lot, <laughs> but basically every, eventually everything gets handled and sorted out to where they feel more comfortable because they know that there's somebody they can call if mm-hmm. something goes wrong. So it's it's not often just a, a one and done kind of thing. You end up they end up with a business card and you're the person they turn to. Yes, I, I have yet to have a one and done with anything. How do they find you? Um so the way that it started out is I offered to teach classes um at different senior living places for free mm-hmm. just to try and help. And uh that was still kind of is my my main focus is to just get my name out to Amarillo so that people know who I am so I can help more people. But that was kind of where it started. It was just, I did speaking events and then um, classes at different places. And one thing I've found, you know, when working with senior adults is that the people they are drawn to are often the ones who don't just come in to do a job, but like are, are actually there to listen to them who are patient with them, who uh, who give them that that feeling of relationship. And I, I wonder if that's something that you've experienced. That is the most wonderful benefit from what I do. Uh, I get to hear amazing stories. I eat dinner with <laughs> them. So I just get to hear about a lifetime that's completely different from ours. And it's a beautiful love story usually, and it's, it's great. And they give amazing advice because – who better to give advice than people yeah. that have already been there? So it's I I get back more than I feel that I put in. Is there is there anything that you've learned um, maybe about that generation as you've spent time with them, as you've trained them that that, that might have surprised you? I mean, yes. So my grandmother even surprises me. She she grew up on a farm outside of town with no electricity, mm-hmm. using outhouses. She will tell stories about about outhouses. And then today, my grandmother can emoji you to death. Right. So it's just, 
in one lifespan, like the ability to learn that much is amazing to me. That's unbelievable. And and we have a lot of stories. Well, I guess a story we like to tell is about how our our parents or our grandparents are not tech savvy or it's it's hard for them to figure stuff out. But really, I found that they they really do appreciate a lot of the technology we have because they do see how it makes things easier. My grandmother is 99 and she until recently was reading all of her books on a Kindle, you know, yes. all the time and and just loved it because she couldn't carry a heavy book, but she could carry 300, you know, on this little device. Right. I, I, I wonder if, if there's any piece of technology that, that you find is the most common. Like, is, is it something like an iPhone? Is it something like a laptop? I mean, what, what are they using? Um, it is an iPhone. Kindles are our big thing. Um, also, like audiobooks as well. Uh, those are the, the main thing. Without a doubt, though, an iPhone or not, I don't really see Android so much, okay. but, but definitely the phones. Is there a reason for that? Um, in my personal opinion, I, I love Androids. I'm an Android user. iPhones, it doesn't matter what phone they put out. It stays the same. It's okay. consistent. So Androids, you don't really know what the layout's going to be or how it's going to work. So it's just, you know that it'll be consistent, even to a Mac computer. Right. It's the same. Tell me about how you handle the educational part on your side. I mean, you obviously have to know well enough how to do everything so that you can teach that. Um, how, how, do you, how do you keep up with technology that's always changing? I have friends. Um, I've made very good connections, like I'd mentioned. I have friends at Apple that I talk to. Okay. Um, I, I look, I research for Android, but even with, you know, Amazon Alexas, I have a friend that works there. So I, anything that I struggle with, I go to them, but I do look up a whole lot of stuff on my own. And being experienced with that, you can probably, you know, engage with that information and retain it and understand it a lot faster than most other people can. Right. I, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about, you know, how Amarillo kind of fits into this business. You said that you wanted to start it thinking locally at first, uh, because this is where you you had a community, you had connections, you can go to the you know senior living center, centers and and have your classes with them. Do you feel like it's something that can expand out of this area? Um, yes, and I fully intend to do that. Okay. Is that I, part of the goal then? That is very much part of the goal. But uh, one of the steps is to make sure that my hometown is taken care of first. But I have connections all over the United States. Um, I There's things. I'm going to Denver in September for an event that is for seniors. And they're kind of trying to do the same thing in a way. So it's it's definitely expanded all over. There's a need for it everywhere. Is, is your business model something that you have found in other communities? I mean, is, are there senior-focused tech support people doing this elsewhere? There there are, not to the extent that I am. Okay. Um, but yes, there's, there's places that they offer classes and things like that. But nobody that's really willing to go into the home and mm-hmm. just help them that I've seen so far anyway. How long do most of your home visits take? I mean, it, can you can you put a time to it? Um, it depends on the issue, but I usually try to keep it around an hour. Um, and then it 
I, I try to work on the issue for an hour mm-hmm. and then I'll have a conversation or you know, whatever happens for any length of time after. I imagine you go to, to work on an iPhone and you find out that the problem is not the iPhone, it's the Wi-Fi and then you're working on the Wi-Fi and then you figure out the problem there is its location. I mean, like it, it can be yes. this thing, you just keep unpacking all these Russian dolls of technology right. and, that's and very trying to figure true. out. Yeah. And I do, it, it starts off with an iPhone issue, then it's an email issue normally. Uh-huh. And then it's that they can't sign into the email and then it's that they need to call the internet service provider. So it just, it goes on and on, but eventually everything's fixed and, and they don't have anything to worry about. What's the biggest hurdle you have to overcome in working with your clients? Um, well, I am a single mom. So sometimes, you know, my priorities, mm-hmm. um, they can cause an issue. I've had to help somebody at 1130 at night that got a virus. Right. You know, as, as I have my daughter sleeping in the other room. Which I don't mind doing. Okay. That's perfect. I mean, that's real personal service, so. Yeah. Sometimes I've had to take my daughter with me. But, um, I mean, that's pretty much the only hurdle. I, I enjoy everything about my job. I wonder if you are surprised where you've ended up. I mean, having left Amarillo, you know, for um, a variety of reasons and then coming back here, did you ever see yourself as somebody who had their own business or who was doing anything like you're doing now? Never, ever would I have thought that I would um, have started my own business and that it would even be to where it's at now. Um, I was just kind of the the bad kid that always got in trouble. So uh, this is something that was very unexpected, but that I immediately picked it up and just ran with it. How much of Amarillo is a part of the reason you were able to do that? Um. A lot of Amarillo is. I When I started, I immediately knew that I had to make connections and get involved with as many different groups as I could. And in doing that, I've met amazing people that have been able to link me with other people. And so the, the clients, they just grow that way from my relationships with everybody in these groups. As a community where everybody knows everybody, like I imagine that when you have a business that uh, a lot of it, which is predicated on word of mouth, that, that especially in that community, you know, that's going to spread. Who helps you with your iPhone? Well, I've, I've got a, I've got a lady that will help me. You exactly. Know? Yes. The Texas Outdoor Musical is back this summer at Paladuro Canyon, and I'm so glad that Texas is sponsoring this episode. It's it's all I can do right now to not start singing, we invite you all to come to Texas, because it just is in my mind all the time, uh, especially in the summer. However, I am excited to see that, I'm sorry, I distracted myself with the singing, which I didn't plan to do. I'm excited to see this long-running musical about the first settlers of the Texas Panhandle set against the backdrop of Paladura Canyon in the Pioneer Amphitheater. It's one of the coolest places to see a musical in this area. It's always so much fun. The season started last weekend, and this family-friendly show runs every day of the summer except for Mondays until the middle of August. So get your tickets now at texasshow.com. That's texas-show.com. You can choose your seats. Uh, you can buy tickets to come have dinner before the show. All of it starts at a little more than $20 per ticket. That's texas-show.com. And another thing that's back this summer, I wanted to make sure was on your radar, is the Hay Amarillo Beer Fest. It's going to be July 31st at Starlight Ranch Event Center. We've been planning it now for several months. You'll hear more about it in the future, but save that date, Saturday, July 31st for the Beer Fest.
Okay, I'm back with Hayden Baca. Hayden, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes at least eight fossils of plants, including the fossilized trunks of palm trees that used to flourish here 290 million years ago. Uh, most people don't think of palm trees as native to the Texas Panhandle, but apparently at one point they were. Uh, wait around long enough, maybe we'll see him again. <laughs> you can learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, eight straight. I'm going to ask you these eight straight questions as my guest. Your job is to answer those in as much detail as you want. Um, the, the first one is one I've been asking lately. It's what's one thing the past year has revealed to you about local people? Um, the past year, we're resilient um, in, in several different ways. I mean, we've, we've all been through a change that none of us saw coming, um, and we've managed to come out of it changed or the same, but everyone was affected in one way or another. So definitely that we are just resilient. And your job itself is a very hands-on person-to-person job with a generation that was most vulnerable to the virus. Tell me like how you had to adapt so that you could continue to make a living. It was, it was an experience. So I went from being able to go into all these senior living homes to not being, yeah, I mean, they were shut down. They were closed to family members. Yes. To, and that was everything that I was doing at the time was basically just the senior living. And then the, the clients that I had at home. So it was like, what am I going to (laughs) do? But I, I managed to just switch gears mm-hmm. and try to help as many people as I could learn how to set up um, their doctor visits online. Now, that did mean me going into homes. So okay. I was putting myself at risk for um, you know getting the virus, but it was something that I was willing to do. Some of my family members thought, you know, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> But it was something that was necessary, um, and and I tried my best to try and reach out to the VA and different ones just to help. As well, much but, as because what we learned was that technology was the reason we were able to right. keep in touch with people. I mean, you've got grandparents who only saw their grandkids over Zoom or FaceTime, you know, for nine or 12 months. Yeah, and during that time, I did try a lot to get into the senior livings. I I tried different ways because— Every senior living location, they have different standards and different rules. So mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out how, with each one of them, I could get somebody to just let me in, but I wasn't able to. Build a plexiglass box or something right. like that and get wheeled in. Um, okay. What does this area have too much of? <laughs> wind. Okay. I would say wind. Uh, that's not an uncommon answer. I, I, I wonder, having lived in Montana you know, it's, it's kind of in the plains. You've got the mountains. You've got storm systems rolling off the mountains, just like we do here. Is it is the wind different there, though? I've never seen wind at all like like it is here anywhere else. And okay. I've lived several different places. So okay. it's very, very impressive here. No, impressive is a good way to describe it. That right. feels more positive than a lot of people like to talk about it. It's really an impressively windy t- day today. What does this area not have enough of? Uh, I would say that we don't have enough people volunteering for the senior living places. Okay. I really think that that is something that we don't have in comparison to other places. Now that those are starting to open back up, I, I do know that 
from talking to residents there, like they love the volunteering, even if like whether it's a, a school choir coming to sing for them or someone to just come and sit and talk for a little bit. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing they look forward to all day. Right. And and for people that are younger than me or my generation, if you're seeking knowledge or truth or whatever in your life, the number one place that I think that you're going to get it is inside of the senior living places hmm. because there's tons of knowledge there. There's tons of experience. Um, so I, I always recommend that first. What kinds of volunteer opportunities are you aware of? I, kn- I know you don't work at these, but like, what are some of the things that you think of? Um, I mean, every, every single location, um, you can volunteer just to go in and, and hang out or okay. there's just so many, it's endless really, but there's a lot. In a lot of cases, it's not even something that requires much work no. unless you consider it work to sit and talk to somebody. Right. Yeah. And it usually just requires like a, a TB test. And I'm not sure what the standards would be now, um, but it doesn't require much just to sit with somebody and, you know, let them tell you amazing stories about their lives. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? I say it's interesting. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it's interesting. It's definitely its own area different from anywhere else. So I think that's probably pretty accurate. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? Hayden Street. Okay. Because of the name or because something specific about that street? Because of the name. And the street, actually, it's very beautiful yeah. in certain areas. So, yes, I do okay. have to go with Hayden well, that's, Street. That's not a surprise then. Um, what's your favorite local restaurant? Um, my favorite local restaurant, I like Thai taste. Okay. So there are... There are a lot of good Thai places in Amarillo. Why that one specifically? Um, I just feel I like their food the best, and it was it was close to where I lived when I was pregnant, and so it was okay. always <laughs> the place that I could go to and eat something that was on my diet that I was allowed to have. Okay, so and so you just haven't changed that diet. You you got hooked, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your favorite local coffee shop? Um, uh. It's a that one's a tough one. Um, probably roasters. Okay, is there a specific roasters that you oh, tend Georgia. to frequent? Georgia. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the uh, the original roasters. Yes. Well, that location is not the original one, but that that area is original for roasters. When was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? So I actually took my daughter out there about two weeks ago. Okay, she we were driving by and she saw it and she was like, "What is that?" And so. We walked out there and it was freezing, uh-huh. um, but she got to see it. So was it was she one. impressed by it? I mean, she didn't really understand why there were cars in the ground, <laughs> and I didn't have a very good, you know, explanation. Well, I guess <laughs> nobody, but, nobody yeah. really does. Yeah, but I mean, she thought it was neat that you could spray paint it and things like okay. that. But yeah, okay. Um, Hayden, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to end by asking my guest to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? I mean, I just endorse the any senior living location. There's just so much that they offer and that they do that you could be a part of that you're really missing out if you're if you're not. And honestly, I feel that they deserve it more than anybody else. So I would that would be what I would endorse. I think there's probably a perception uh, among people that that maybe who haven't 
experience them closely, maybe don't have a parent there that they're just like, that's the last place I want to go. I don't want to go someplace where you've got these frail people who are in the last years of their lives. Um, but that that's not a correct perception because often these are really vibrant places. Sometimes, you know, you've got, you've got dogs and pets who live there. You've got all these activities. Like the people who have gone to them and really know them, understand that they're a very fun place to be. I, I wonder if that's your experience also. I've walked into one place and the lady was dressed up like a leprechaun. Okay. <laughs> and it was amazing. It was the best thing I'd ever seen. And she said that she dresses up like that a lot in different costumes. The way that I look at it, we all get old. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you know, it's, you could be there. I could be there. And we kind of owe it to them because when we were young and learning all of this technology, who was taking care of us? Yeah. Who was paying for us to be able to do that? So to turn around and not take time to invest in them, what they did to us, just doesn't sit right with me. All right. That's a that's a good way to end this episode. Hayden Baca, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And that concludes the episode. Thanks to Hayden for the interview. You can learn more about her company, Unsavvy Strategy, at HaydenBaca.com. Thanks to Angelina Marie for editing the show every week and to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for sponsoring 8 Straight every week. I also want to thank this week's show sponsors, Blue Handle Publishing and the Texas Outdoor Musical. This podcast exists every week because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Heyamarillo's executive producers include Barbara and Jim Witten, Chris Selda, Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Jason Berg, Wes Reeves, Katie Linger, and Jess Heredia. This has been episode, believe it or not, 199. Next week is episode 200, and I've got something special planned for it, so stay tuned. Don't miss that one. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.